We are good. Can you guys hear me all right? like coffee, but grosser. Uh, okay, so let me just get this timer started so we don't run wild with time on this fun topic. So, we are body horror panel. Um, I'll just do a quick summary of what that is, and then I'll kind of introduce our panel, and we'll go from there. So, body horror, or biological horror, is a subgenre of horror that intentionally showcases the grotesque or the psychologically disturbing violations of the human body. Violations may manifest through aberrant sex, mutations, mutilation, zombification, gratuitous violence, disease, or unnatural movements of the body. Body horror was a description originally applied to an emerging subgenre of North American horror films but has roots in early Gothic literature and has expanded to include other media. So while when we're thinking body horror, we often kind of go very quickly to Cronenberg uh, and that ilk, I think we can very easily apply it all the way back to what's considered one of the first body horror works, which would be Frankenstein, actually. So <clears throat> the first time the term was used was in 1983, but you know, as I said, we're gonna be talking about things from way earlier than that. And um, one of the things about body horror, it falls into the gross genres for one uh, film scholar. I liked that she, there's three gross genres to her, which are genres of excess. So body horror, pornography, and weirdly melodrama were her three genres of excess. So I thought that was kind of a fun. Um, and it's often measured uh, the difference between it and like uh, something slashery or other types of uh, horror is measured by a degree to which the audience sensation mimics what is seen on the screen. So kind of that squick factor, I think, is uh, what they're talking about. But also feelings of terror through horror, sympathy, melodrama, or sexual arousal. Uh, it's specifically focused on the limits and transformative capabilities of the human body. So it's very much a horror that comes from inside and a visceral understanding of your body as meat based on this property and seeing what can happen to meet. So <laughs> those are some of the things we'll be talking about today in various art forms. Uh, so my name is Victoria Delphi. I am a writer out of Providence and uh, an artist, and I'm happy to be here as a moderator. Let's go down the line and have a great panel here introduce themselves, and then we'll get started. Hi, I'm Zinni E. Rockland. Um, I write art. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have not had coffee, so I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Um, thank you. <laughs> That's the kind of place this is. You just ask. <laughs> um, I, my debut novella came out last year, October 21, called Flowers for the Sea. Um, and it did not win a nebula. I am going to freak out. No, I'm kidding. Um, Get this yeah. woman a nebula. <laughs> No, um, yeah, so I love body horror. I've always loved body horror, and um, it's expressed in my, um, in my fiction quite a bit, much to my audience's delight. So I love, I would, I'm very excited about this panel. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Michal Hoinski. I work as an associate professor of uh, literature uh, at the Aguilonian University, 
in Krakow, Poland. I'm currently in the US, uh, writing my third book at Yale University. I study the grotesque and body horror from two perspectives. First, two perspectives. First, uh, in terms of aesthetic theory, um, and my, my, my book, uh, Southern Hyperboles, on the theories of the, of the grotesque came out two years ago with LSU Press, but I'm also a poet. So I, I study the way the bodies interact in different religious, social contexts uh, through poetry. I'm also a music promoter. I do metal music and I've uh, promoted and organized and booked about 300 shows throughout Europe in Norway, in Poland and Germany. So this the exploration of the body horror through the perspective of black metal music would be another angle that I'm very much willing to, to discuss here. Uh, my name is Scott Dwyer. I um, run Plutonian Press. I run the Plutonian website. I have published a couple of anthologies of erotic horror called Pluto and Fours, Volume 1 and 2. And, you know, the perverse and disgusting is kind of my jam, so here I am. Uh, I'm Elsie Lovenson. I write horror, um, your fiction, general unpleasantness. Um, I have stories here in such anthologies as Her um, Body is Not Her Body, The Book of Her Saints, various volumes of Vesterian and Night Script, and uh, among the upcoming anthologies I've been in are uh, Stories of the Eye and uh, It Is All in Me. Uh, I also uh, have a tiny door button. Right now, I have an industrial slash music project, and uh, my only, only length album that I put out is uh, basically on the subject of bodily objection. Uh, so that's a different aspect for that topic. So now we know everyone here is nice and gross and you know, <laughs> good at their subjects. So let's get started, and Elsie, I'll start with you and we'll work back this way. Uh, what was your first uh, experience of body horror, and do you remember the first time you really experienced it? Because I do think it, it exists in that pornography of the, I know, I know it when I see it, but it's, it's somewhat a little bit hard to, to decipher within like the horror umbrella sometimes, because so much of horror is gory. Uh, so. Do you have a memory of like your first experience with that? And that goes, kind of goes along. I, I do. Um, I grew up with my, my father was, was a big horror fan, so uh, I was exposed to a lot of, especially the 80s to early 90s horror films at quite, quite a young age, just because I'd be in the room while he was watching them. And uh, one of my first distinct memories of body horror was actually in the movie Hellraiser when I was probably about four years old. <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was the scene where, um, after the droplets of um, Larry Cotton's blood splash on the floor of the attic, and we see Frank's skeleton come up out of the ground, uh, and all this, this like goopy viscera suddenly surrounds it, and it's, it's to this gorgeous, uh, this gorgeous soundtrack. So that it's portrayed not only as shocking, but also kind of a thing of beauty. As, as like, the heart starts to beat, and then uh, the scene ends with him, it's this grown man's like, 
half-formed body giving this kind of baby cry as it's born for the second time. And I just remember being like transfixed by that, that particular scene. Yeah, I think you captured absolutely, I think, the difference of body horror. There's an artfulness to it, like the flesh is clay, and I mean, Claude Barker is very much of that ilk of what the body as art and as the grotesquery as fascination, and I think that is one of the things, or at least my opinion, uh, one of the things that separates body horror, that it's not totally to gross out, it is also to, like, enchant or... Intrigue, I guess. Um, Scott? Well, I think um, as a child, my first two experiences with the transgressions of the body would be reading Kafka's Metamorphosis with the unknowability of the body and how it could change, like how you're estranged from your body. And also another key work to me was Fulci's The Gates of Hell, where it's like this operatic, like transgressions of the body again so like like growing up Fulci and Kafka were like somehow melded in my brain is, is like a foundation of how I see the world the metamorphosis and um, city of the living dead the gates of hell somehow in my brain are connected so that's like my first experiences with the unknowability of the body and the infinite transgressions against the body oh uh, yeah uh well, I salute Kafka. Uh, uh, my um, what what started me thinking about the the the, bo- the body as a battleground and the transgression of the body that that would be religion actually. I was brought up in a very straight uh, well in a Catholic uh, environment and the 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 vision of the cross and uh, what happens in with with the body that the body is supposedly resurrected and uh, thinking about what hap- what's happening with the body in the context of of resurrection upon judgment day and uh, the 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 idea the contrast between the flesh and the body so uh, so the, the the body without the form and the form in the body that was uh, that that what started me off and uh, i remember look i remember looking at hieronymus bosch's paintings and the way the the, the idea of of the catholic understanding of the body, how it translated into uh, Bosch's uh, 15th century visions. So these two, as if inspirations merged to start me thinking, to get me started uh, to think think about the body as a, as a and battleground. There's certainly an element of play to Bosch too, with uh, the, the variations of the body. I That's have three separate um, posters with different details of the Garden of Earthly Delights. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my first experience with body horror was actually very personal. Um, I am mortal enemies with at peanuts, and um, my allergy did not start until I was about four years old. Um, I was a huge peanut butter fan, like pushed my chair up to the to the cabinet and took a spoon and snuck it type of thing. Yeah. Loved it, and now, now I have a psychosomatic reaction to even the smell. So, um, but to go over the top, as my father calls it, bougie skin. Um, not only did I have anaphylactic shock, but my skin would split open and bleed. Yeah, so that's fun as a four-year-old to see. Um, 
And so not long after being hospitalized for that and um, realizing that it was just a simple simple allergy, um, my brother then kind of, it was like, he's not the brightest bulb in the box. (laughs) Love you, Casey. But um, he also kind of, for some reason, I don't think he necessarily equated it immediately, but I found catharsis through horror. And uh, my first exposure was Nightmare on Elm Street. And when he, he, was, he was actually determined to traumatize me, um, but when I started cracking up laughing, he was like, okay, maybe, maybe I fucked up. Um, <laughs> so um, it's always been while, and then on top of that, when I had the chicken pox, I didn't have the itchy bumps. I had the blisters with the scabby heads on them. So it, like, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Like, so horror has always, body horror has always been a catharsis for me in the sense of you honestly have no idea what is going to trigger the nastiest, grossest things in your own body. Um, so with horror and writing horror and writing body horror, it became a sense of the ability to, the ability to control that. Um, and to explore the radicalness of, of your own flesh. Um, so in uh, one of the most traumatizing things I think that happens to people that people think is like no big deal is pregnancy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that is why I wrote extensively about it in Flowers for the Sea. Because um, I think an alien, essentially a parasite, is taking over your body. If you don't feed it properly, it will take its nutrients from your body. And you have no control, real control over it. Um, So it is, and of course, that's an interesting debate now in our shitty-ass country. Um, But, you know, it's something that is fascinating to me. And and repulsive at the same time. So it's something, as far as like early exposures, it was, it was definitely my own body and my own experiences. That was also a great segue into the next thing I was gonna talk about, which was actually Alien and this idea that a lot of body art you can kind of boil down to like there's like four tenets of it. And the first one is invasion and this idea of something coming into you or invading your space in your world, um, this idea of the outside coming in and the threat of that. And Alien, I think, is a great example because it's both body horror but also outside of the genre of that it's science fiction. And it's kind of a lot of things, but at its core, you can see it is men's biggest horror is having something basically be impregnated. And even the way that the xenomorph, like it's killing, like um, there's a lot of penetration in its little like mini mouth. And so things coming in, genital things attaching to mouths, implanting things, things bursting from you. Like so much of that here is like, this is clearly people who are afraid of being pregnant. <laughs> like that, that biggest fear a man can think of is having to carry a child. Um, where it's like, you know, if you've done it, you're like, yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> People have been doing it a long time. So I think um, 
Feeling is very important, especially for this uh, panel, because it also is so much about gender, and I'm sure we've all seen that internet meme floating around where it's like, yeah, Alien is basically the one, the woman who's good at her job and no one listening to her, and then they all die, except for her. Like, you know, if they listened to her, that movie wouldn't have happened. Like, if everyone had just followed protocol, the movie wouldn't have happened. So, you know, some of it is like just not, you know, listening to women, and then they all, you know, essentially get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> this concept of invasion um, and things you can think about in the body horror realm, be it film art, whatever, that kind of capture that idea of being invaded, taken over, or foreign entities kind of changing things. And I don't know if you want to start back at the end of kind of go this way. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is uh, Tetsuo Iron Man. Yes. Where there's it centers on these two different men. One of one of them is uh, uh, he's he's only referred to as the metal's fetishist. Yeah. And he's basically what it says on the tin. He's just a fetish for fetishist for uh, various like metal objects. And uh, there's this other guy who's who's uh, the salary man, just this hapless businessman uh, who's uh, uh, who is gradually invaded by these uh, these. Uh, metal elements uh, from the metal fetishist and it starts off with like he finds a little piece of metal in his cheek when he shaves and then gradually like it, it becomes like uh, his, his penis turns into a giant drill and his, his girlfriend ends up like dying by just like impaling herself on this giant drill it just it's, it does not work that well for her <laughs> and then by the end of the movie um, uh, the metal fetishist and the salary man, uh, instead of fighting anymore, they end up just merging into this one creature that just like stalks the streets of Tokyo and, and, it, and it, it has this wonderful line Our love will destroy this whole fucking world. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's basically an example of uh, body horror's transcendence, but also kind of a rare example of body horror that is less centered on things like fluids and viscosity. Well, in terms of um, alien intrusions of the body, I think that's something that we experience every day. Say, like, um, Cronenberg showed us, like, Videodrome, how, like, signals could enter the body. This, we're always, like, the body's porous, and we're always being, like, every day we're being penetrated by thoughts, ideas, radio waves, like, whatever it is. And... It's just a fact of life that your body isn't like a castle. It's always being invaded every day by different forces. Like the, the body's porous, you know. So like, and if you look at it, you look at a film like uh, like Under the Skin or whatever. Like the, the the most alien thing to you is your body. Sometimes like you you like in existence in this like fleshy skeleton walking around, but like. It's like, I think a lot of sci-fi, a lot of alien, a lot of body horror is just a reflection of like reality, like your everyday reality. Like your body is foreign, reality is foreign. Like your, your personality is foreign. It's like, and you try to like rationalize it and live your life, but the, the existence is nightmare. You know? And under the skin is interesting again from the gender sexuality. She is like hunting essentially men to fatten up for basically like alien pate. But the movie is so kind of arty and 
you know, elusive to that. And um, if you read the book, they're kind of like dog aliens. And she, yeah. I always think it's so funny that anyone goes with her because she sounds crazy with like her huge boobs and her weird scars and her wigs always falling off. In fact, guys go with her. It's <laughs> exemplary of boots sticking in anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, in all fairness, I think the book is a little bit too on the nose of its metaphor, mm-hmm. whereas the film like relies more on mystery. Oh yeah, I love like, the I think the movie's far superior than the book. Yeah, and the soundtrack is very good, and that movie, like, you don't know if you're in a spaceship or another realm, and I think it right. has a really fake quality to it, like she also might be kind of taking them. Oh, I love it. Will they, will they go into the black yeah. oh, void? Oh, they kind of go inside out and it's just like floating skin. It's dense. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, my comment would be uh, slightly different in the sense that um, I, I, I started thinking about Christopher Hitchens immediately. Uh, Christopher Hitchens was one of uh, so-called four horsemen of um, atheistic apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, together with... Uh, um, uh, Richard Dawkins, among others, he wrote this book, he passed not that long ago, um, and he wrote this book, Mortality, I don't know if you know it. I know the book I know. Yeah, it's, it's a story of uh, an atheist who's dying of a cancer, basically. So he talks about what is happening uh, to your body when it becomes a battleground, and you're, uh, the, 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 there's a line from that book which I remember vividly, uh, I don't have a body, I am body. So this is a moment of realization that your body is invaded by, by, the, by, the, by, by cancer and it becomes a battleground and you do not have this cushion of religion to hold you up, to, to, to allow safe landing. So it's a, it's a, it's a, that's why it becomes a, uh, uh, like he's hit with the, with the truck, uh, uh, with, with the inscription, the, the, the body, right? Uh, and it's, it's just amazing, his reflections on the idea of invasion, on the idea of uh, what is happening with you physically when, you devo- when you're devoid of, of, of the support of religion. So that, that could be another take on the idea of invasion in the context of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of illness. Yeah, that's I always think of mushrooms. <laughs> They're delicious. But just like the invasion of even thinking of something like the invasion of the body snatchers, um, you have that couple that one arc in Hannibal, which I love because uh, I'm obsessed with Matt Nicholson. If anybody knows him, <laughs> tell him the It might come to me. Exactly. I got that job there. So no. Um, we all want to talk. 
but you um, thinking about the invasion process and how something tiny, just like the miracle of life, <laughs> something tiny and insignificant and unseen to the naked eye could absolutely fuck your body up for the rest of your life. Um, thinking about COVID and how your very breath can kill um, and how you just drown in your own lung butter. Um, it's a head fuck to really think about. Um, and I think the obsession with it, with genre, uh, I think a lot of successful genre, it, it explores it in a way that is, like, I'm really interested in reading this book now. Um, I'm a fan of Pitchens, but I, I haven't read that book. But um, thinking about how even ideals can invade and take over. You have people who were completely rational and all of a sudden believe in QAnon. Um, so but it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. <laughs> idea of something tiny taking over and, and, and reanimating a body, reanimating a thought, reanimating um, and, and becoming more than just a, a host or more than just a, a parasite, becoming that body is, is a real head fuck. Yeah, it's so good. Well, so this, this, uh, talking about Bosch earlier, talking about Christianity is a great idea because if you think about what the Bosch painting and a lot of hell, when you really think about hell, it's very like, they will put things in your butt. They're going to do stuff to you forever. And it's so much about physical body pain, which kind of doesn't make sense if the concept is you are now spirit and your body is gone, but the only way you can still think about torment a lot of times is specifically through like weird and elaborate Saw-esque kind of torture forever kind of thing. And so it shows that we really Event don't... Hmm? Exactly. But this idea that we don't... We have a hard time like coming up with an idea of what a hell is that isn't being physically hurt a lot of times or so much of the body uh, as much as we are trying to transcend to the spirit plane we are still very much in our flesh and so the idea of disease and um, contagion it would actually be the next body or this idea of like COVID we've kind of lived through one of these so far but this idea that People are contagious. You can get sick. You can at any point just become sick and you will change. And I think, you know, the fly, Cronenberg's fly is such a great example because, you know, he is he is transforming, you know, it, into like an insect hybrid, but at the core of it, it's kind of like dealing with someone who has cancer or some kind of a terminal disease. And their process as they are changing through that, and their brain is changing, and the body is changing, and how hard it is to be to bear witness to them, and also to be both the person who is changing and the person who is um, with them or caring for them. 
And so I kind of thought, yeah, this idea about talking about the breakdown of society, contagion, disease, and how that works with body horror, maybe some examples. Um, and I'll kind of just put it out there if there's anyone you can think of that fit that bill. I'm actually thinking of my mother who I was thinking actually about that when I wrote this one up, because yeah. you're very in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, my mother has dementia. And it is uh, it, I'm going to keep using this word, but a heck up to watch this woman um, literally put down something that she's known for years, turn around, and then look back at it and ask if I bought it. It's like, wait, what? Um, so thinking about dementia and and because it, it also really highlights how much we really just don't know about the body and how abysmal our, like, it's made strides, obviously, but our medical community really kind of is. Um, fuck flying cars, I would like to know why I have to bleed every month <laughs> um, when I don't want it. <laughs> don't want it. Um, so for you. Right now. <laughs> I'm demanding a lot of this panel right now. Yes, the uterus is definitely a form of body horror, especially with having ovary torsion. For uh, with, yeah, every time I say that, so like, say <laughs> 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 I'm that. Animal retorsion. Is that a metal band? <laughs> but we have an expert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you know, going through through being on the outside of this disease and knowing that it's also can be passed down through genetics and like if I'm forgetting something, is it like the start of it and that freak out? Um, it's this whole. It's it really shows just how ignorant we are of our own. Meat, meat sacks, essentially, um, and how we just have no clue as to how our body is going to rebel eventually. Um, so, like things like Contagion and like um, thinking about that movie and how there's always that one person that hides the zombie bite because they're afraid of what's going it's to happen. Always, to them. Man. always. <laughs> I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. <laughs> Song of the Dead, yes. That's yeah. true, what's the mom? Okay, fine. But that was the latest. <laughs> if, if I may second that, in the sense that I'm thinking about science fiction, I'm thinking about the idea of transhumanistic upload. Mm -hmm. That is the idea that we can become this pure consciousness, devoid of our flesh. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a, a few of my colleagues are cognitive scholars, and they say it's, it's absolute bullshit in the sense that you cannot be without your body. Oh, this is the idea that you can be this pristine uh, consciousness, like, uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, where, um, Transcendence. Yeah. Transcendence. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. That you can become this glow that does not bleed. That does not. We have three kilograms. Each of every one of us here in this room, we have three kilograms of other beings in us. Yes. That is uh, of 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 bacteria and so on and so forth. We are walking worlds mm -hmm. in this sense, walking carnal worlds, right? So the idea that we can be without that background is just 
ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's our ego. It's it's yeah, the, yeah. like it's the, the, the the ego behind. I think that's what I mean. There's multiple things that piss you off about Transcendence because it was just a bad movie. Um, but like the ego behind thinking that you could that you're that important, that your consciousness is that is so above the electrical impulses of what is essentially a mystery of our bodies is just is is kind of is kind of funny to look at. It's really funny. Well, as Ligotti says, it's an absolute nightmare of the organism. What separates a human being from a disease? We're, we're, we're disease factories that walk around. We reproduce other diseases that we call, like, we try to put ourselves on a privilege, like, we're special, but, like, we're just another disease on this planet propagating itself. You know, an absolute nightmare of the organism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about children. <laughs> walking germ sex. I mean, human beings in general, because we don't, we're not part of the circle of life. We're really bad at being like world team players, yeah. and we have a tendency to kind of, you know, extract all resources, kind of exhaust. Yeah, we've kind of removed ourselves from the way of life. And a lot of times justify it being more than the world. But that, that, that's also how diseases are. Like, you want to. You, you're looking out for yourself, and you're going to take all the resources and propagate yourself at the cost of everything else. And that's just the way life is. You know, as much as we want to cherry coat it, I'm going to survive. And if I got to do you in for me to survive, that's that's how life is. You know, <laughs> one of us is walking out of here. Alive. <laughs> situation that's going to come up soon. Is that your plan? <laughs> Brought some barbecue sauce. <laughs> so one of the other things uh, that I think is a big tenet of body horror is we've been kind of talking about it, but I think we can bring it more into um, the sexual components of it. And I kind of put this one into the mutilation category of body horror because in body horror, there is a lot of... Um, strange sex, let's say, or, you know, no king shaving here, but, you know, some, uh, you know, pretty extreme, and I'm thinking in particular of, uh, like, the movie uh, Trouble Every Day, or In My Skin, a lot of the kind of French extreme, uh, you know, like, martyrs, audition, I think this idea of people looking for sexual gratification and kind of getting not what they were necessarily looking for, or... Or maybe you know, what they really wanted. Or maybe what they actually wanted. And this, I think, actually is a good start for you, because you've done two collections now that kind of deal, or anthologies that kind of deal with this, kind of that line of, like, the forbidden and the grotesque and the kind of injured play of those. Um, and well, I, I think... Like, for me personally, I had a revelation that a lot of times what you're looking for in horror and what you're looking for in erotica are the same thing. Uh, I was reading uh, Ramsey Campbell's story, The Faces of Pine Dunes, and at the end of the story, the, the parents melt together, and they're like this, but it's like this, this perverse pleasure that you get out of this imagery that you also get out of, like, pornography. And also, both horror and um, erotica, you're always looking for something new like like some some new perversion of the flesh some some new transgression and it's like it's what keeps bringing you back and back and back to it like both horror and erotica it's it's it's, 
That's why that's why the, the, the two um, genres that never really die out because you just you want new. You want the new. You want you want different things. Um, like you know, I've, I've also wrote about um, like um, the, like in the in the beginning of Alien when you enter into the alien ship, like the skeletal womb. It's erotic, mm-hmm. like going like it's 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 it's, a, it's a, in a different. It's not like turn on erotic, but it hits a lot of the same receptors, like the, the pleasure principle, general, like you know. Because you get that, like when you when you see something beautiful and grotesque in a horror film, you get kind of that that tingly like pleasure feeling, which is very much related to like watching some hot erotica. And I think I think I think we're deluding ourselves to think otherwise. Horror tends to be very conservative, but it shouldn't be, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, like, growing up, like, I read, like, George Baitai and Ligotti, and to me, they're, like, they're in the same world. So it's, it's strange to me, like, someone's well-read in Lovecraft, some you know, M.R. James, but then you haven't read Desai. I don't, I don't, I don't understand... Why, why, why you're segregating the things? They, should, they, they kind of meld together in a lot of the same ways. A story of the eye. It's really you know? the bullshit idea that, that genre has to be like a walled off. Yeah. Less in some way. It's, it's just some weird conservatism to horror. Uh, between, between stuff that you can see in like Lovecraft and Magadan and, and again, like you said, people like Bataille and Desaad, uh, Burroughs, uh, Kafka, all these people that I was reading in high school. <laughs> the good stuff. Yes. They're all dealing with the mod, like, and, you know, you can be like, being hurt, uh, being sexual, all of these. It's very um, earthly, let's say. And, and it's kind of the opposite of that brand. And I think that's why it kind of gets ghettoized into, you know, the bad place. This idea that's very earthly, it's very animal, instead of this kind of transcendent. That's uh, so why I thought the movie Martyrs was really interesting for that idea of torturing to, like, that the torture is the goal to like transcend but spoilers it's old you should have seen it if you're here this idea of transcendence through pain through sexuality of an extreme and I know we talked a little bit about music um, and I'm kind of curious about the kind of this idea about um, maleness body sexuality that would be in kind of metal and music, which is again it's with all the corpse paint and everything, it is very kind of gory and university. So uh, if you wanted to kind of yeah, bring be, that over. Before I, uh, I, I, I will comment, just a very brief follow-up on what was said before. I think the etymology of the word grotesque can actually be helpful here because it goes back to the word grotto. So the cave, mm-hmm. right? So this is the, the sp- you, you, you said, use the word space, right? I'll say it's space within the space. It's the hidden, it's the covered. So uh, the, both uh, the, sexual, the sexual act and the exploration of body horror is about uncovering what is covered, right? Or the exploration of a space within the space, right? So this is the journey into, as it were, to use the Bakhtinian thinking. And that's uh, the pleasure. Yeah. Uncovering. Yeah, that, that, uh, uncovering, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, and the mystery behind, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah. And the mystery behind pleasure. Um, like, I mean, thinking about just sex in general, which, if you think about it too hard, um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, it's kind of gross. Like, it's like you're sharing fluids, and like, you know, sometimes you don't know the person. 
Or is that just me? Like it's the it's the mystery. What do they call it? Uh, the sex is the poor man's opera. It's it's about reaching. It's these small ways that you can forget about how fucked up everything is, essentially. Um, and the pleasure of sex and the the heat of the moment and how it never seems to last as long as you want it to is because of how kind of mysterious and how much of a brain churner sex in itself is. Uh, yeah, sorry for uh, yeah, not, uh, not answering, but to follow, uh, to follow up on the music perspective, the kind of musicians I worked with, this is usually black metal, uh, most of them are uh, that, that, that belong to Norwegian black metal genre, so uh, uh, I, I, I worked among others with the vocalist of the band Gorgorod, uh, Gal, uh, I, I do his shows in, in, in Poland, uh, so uh, we, we, I've shared a lot of conversations with, with those guys and uh, in the sense that the idea of, again, body as a temple, which is, uh, which is very post-Aristotelian in the sense that there are separate bodies and they don't merge, and the body is this kind of uh, sacred, right? So to desacralize it, uh, you have to perform operations on it through music, and you do it by intensifying the auditory experience, by mashing bodies together on stage, literally, right? So uh, this, this, this chaos, bodily, corporal chaos, is in some way desacralization of the body. So that, that, the, that, that, that goes back to the very old. there was something somewhat sexual about those extreme mosh pits or oh, any time, yeah. and they're all getting in there to like eat the shit but, out of each other. But, like, is this dancing? Like, this is really this is like, that you're here to punch people. It's I'll all say, gay. Everything's yeah. gay. I'll say vibrations. It's about the vibrations connected with the power of the light, that's, uh, which you, call, you correlate that the, the push of the music and the push of light. And this is very interesting. This is very invasive for your senses. So this is a part of the epiphanic cataractic experience that you uh, that you get while listening to extreme music. And it kind of goes back to the body as forest. It's just yeah. kind of experience yeah. things. Mm -hmm. um, and sadly, we have to start moving in. Well, not sadly, because I'm excited for what you're going to say. But we're going to be moving into our question form because we've got to stay on our schedule. So. Um, and uh, so now, do we have any questions for the panelists here? Right up front. Oh yeah, because I never have questions. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm interested sort of in, uh, you know, as a population that's just viewed as body horror, right? Like trans people are considered body horror both because we consume you know, mutagens, we have surgery, uh, we fetishize David Cronenberg. <laughs> But, um, you know, I think a lot of things I've read somewhat recently have been sort of the reactionary right-wing uh, version of body horror, right? There's Holoback, who, you know, is a fascist and believes that, like, oh, you know, Lovecraft was right, and also, like, you should fear everyone who hate yourself and just slowly, like, immerse yourself in self-loathing. And I find it, you know... Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna kink shame it to everyone. All of that sucks. Uh, you should steal his books, uh, etc. But 
um, you know, I think that what's always been interesting to me is the transcendent possibility of Bhagavata, right? Humans are a failure. We're just an uplifted primate. Um, we're actually very bad at lots of things. We overestimate our own abilities. And yet, you know, the absolutely interesting thing is, you know, an unpopular reading for movie. In The Fang, it's a romantic comedy, and Kirk Russell doesn't get that, like, he has found the best date of his life and he can become a better life for him. And I'm, I guess, interested in sort of that sort of possibility, right? Do we actually have to see body horror as an intrusion that is a destructive method of, um, you know, metaphors for sex or pregnancy most of the time, or, you know, is it the possibility of being something new? I definitely agree that being something new, being something unfamiliar, being something that your your genetics initially did not present is something that fucks people up. Like, okay, sorry, but that so, was my bad. Uh, so the idea that there would be a hopefulness or kind of a positive to the transformation that doesn't always have to go, pardon me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. This idea that it doesn't always have to be a bad thing to have this, uh, this body transformation, that it could be potentially positive or just different, not always negative. Uh, what's the, what's Ross's question? Uh, actually, incidentally, there was a recent novel by a uh, trans writer called The Queen. Uh, the author is Haley Piper. The book is The Queen of Teeth, and it directly uh, deals with the idea of um, body horror as this beautiful transformation. Uh, the main character is this uh, cisgender woman who uh, suddenly discovers teeth in her vagina, and uh, it very quickly uh, her her body. She has some kind of genetic condition. Um, her, her body gradually uh, morphs from just having a uh, toothy vagina to like the whole front of her body, the whole front of her torso is just like a giant vulva, and there's like tentacles that come out, and uh, it, it like... There goes this, zipper. Yeah, yeah, this, 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 this entity, like when you talk about it's sort of seen as part of her, but also distinct from her, it has its own separate name, which is magenta, and gradually it grows into this big monster that like, um, much like Tetsu Iron Man, it, it rampages the streets, and uh, it also uh, enables her to have uh, this this uh, romance with this doctor who's part of this this organization that's supposed to keep people like her in check. Um, and also, just like it, it literally fights tanks and things, and it's so glorious. That would have some perspective too, and just the interpretation where she's like, and that worked out. Like, you know, it's just like what that transformation does. Well, yeah, that's some body horror. Like, even if it's viewed by the onlooker or the person watching the movie or reading the book, something terrible, the person who's happening to, this is a wonderful thing. I mean, I'll raise it to the doctor. The big guy hesitated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Dr. Smart for life. Yeah, it's, all about it's definitely about. I actually wrote a short story um, that apparently is too erotic for the dark. Um, <laughs> what's that? Their return on it? That was their return on it. It was. Did it you was, get it in five minutes? <laughs> yes. It was amazing. I was like, did you jerk off that five? That's amazing. Sorry. Um, no, you couldn't. It was too erotic. <laughs> it was too erotic. Uh, where. <laughs> I'll be an email. <laughs> I'm actually still trying to sell it, but it's about a woman who wakes up one day who is 
violated essentially by someone of by her in her past but the violation is actually something that she wanted that sounds weird um so it's essentially she's been hiding a part of herself for a long time to fit in and to seem like the normal um heteronormal heteronormative example of a contributing member of society and eventually she says fuck it and peels her skin off and is a brand new creature and this creature goes on to skip in brain fields and stuff like that but um it's it's about as far as finding something new being something new my mom still wakes up every day and is wondering why I have tattoos and wants to know how much it'll cost to get rid of them. And I keep telling her that she can't afford it. So, um, but it's something that the first tattoo that I ever got, I was like, yes, fuck yes. I've been drawing on myself since I was a child. This is amazing. And to finally walk into, to walk into a transformation, to understand that this body is not permanent in any kind of way, to understand that you can, you have governance over your own body, to make that governance over your own body. That scares the shit out of people, especially conservatives, especially those who are extremists in religion and in thought processes and things like that. When you have that ownership over your body and you make that decision to present that body as you feel inside, that scares the shit out of people because it makes them realize that they never took the time to explore themselves. So to never explore yourself, like you, you don't give yourself that time and that thought process. There's a lot of dumbass motherfuckers that run around here. Like really, like and the space that they take up in their body. And, I, and I, it's something that I could not help but examine ever since I was a child because of growing up as a little black girl. Um, and I grew up in a fairly diverse town, but my first exposure to racism was a little white girl calling me an ugly black monkey. And I was like, who's she talking to? Because I'm cute. <laughs> um, but it made me aware of the fact that there are things that precede me in my time that will be pressed against me, that will be projected against me. And in that sense, it's like, you know what? Since you're going to do what, the, what you're going to think what the fuck you want, I'm going to do what the fuck I want. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely... Definitely about finding yourself. It's about it's about stepping into yourself. And when you step into yourself, there are going to be people that are scared of that. And I think that's like one of the mindsets of like a more conservative mind frame is that you're scared of the possibility. You're scared of ownership, and you just you want the easy answers. You want to be told what the answers are. Yes. <laughs> and, but but like I see it because it's easier mm -hmm. when you when you take freedom. 
you also have to take responsibility Absolutely. and that's hard mm-hmm. so like it's just it's just like the easiest way just be like I'm gonna do what fucking Donald Trump says or like whatever bullshit they're on mm-hmm. it's just, but it's easier for them and I get that but why would why would you do that you got you got one life fucking explore it do what exactly. you want you know mm-hmm. like get out there got it all right. Um, all right. Uh, transformation. <laughs> yeah. So um, we were talking about it, but it was good. I would like to pause the theory that for every point, and I'm just being done about it, but for every point, we sit here and say, oh, the theory should serve, they suck, et cetera, et cetera. On the flip side, those same authors and everything are saying the opposite. Oh. Very, we're looking at one because we want the freedom, we want the liberalism, we want the liberation out of it, but we want the liberation itself. So they can sit there and say, well, you're not responsible, you as an Egypt, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But you don't have the control over your body, so you just said, F it, and let, let's go really nilly. So there is a, a dichotomy of opinion there when it comes to this horror. Yes, to them, those writers that are concerned, that is scary. Mm-hmm. But from their viewpoint, they would say that we are the defenders. We do have you choose not to take control of your body. You choose not to do this. That we are we can be the paragon of this whatever. We sit there and say, oh, we're disease factors, and we are. But we're the only species that seeks to eradicate said diseases too. I mean, one, one of the few species that takes the out here to talk about fishers, but we're one of the only species that comes in and then we'll seek to conserve. Because there are some of us that are oh, we can conserve nature, we can conserve. No other species goes in and says, like, the wolves will figure out a whole tank patch and they'll just move to another area to eat. They don't come and say, oh, we need to save that near the lake. Mm-hmm. So, and so there is this, there's, there's, there's room in the horror genre for both sides. Oh, I see. I'm gonna say no as a black woman, sorry. <laughs> nah. Because only because when you take your views and restrict me and tell me that I can't do what you do because I'm a black woman, because I have tits and a great tan, nah, fuck you. Like, honestly, like I as much I I will I will there is there is Room to be wrong. I'm gonna say that because. But has one author writing something prevented you from writing? Oh no, it doesn't prevent me in the sense of me sitting at my computer and typing. But it'll prevent me when I email that that what I've typed. I've emailed it to someone so that they can publish it, and then they don't publish it because of said tenants or or because of said um, restrictions. You know, I literally have had people, I have a shirt that says, support black women who write weird shit. And it's because- Did you bring some of this to I didn't, but I have a link called Bonfire, if you'd like to hear it. <laughs> um, I have had, no, it had people say to me, well, what about all women? But what about all people who write weird shit? No, I said what the fuck I said. Because there is not that support. There is there is not that support. There is not that the fact that you have an entire convention 
on based on a man who had a cat named Nigger. Is a, is like I'm sorry, but I don't respect that. I don't. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to allow this. There's no room for both sides in my life because I have to survive. And if your policies and your beliefs believe that I should not survive, that I am, I am in, inherently inferior because of genetics and because of the gamble of a throw of the dice of whatever god or gods or, or universe or stars or the, the, the cosmos wanted to do to me, fuck that. Fuck no. No, I'm sorry. Like, it's just, I'm not sorry. Um, <laughs> like, like, the poem. The poem? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but, I, I, like, uh, there is room for differences in opinion if your p- opinion does not, is not based on the eradication of me and mine. I'm 57 and I have my role in my reservation card, so I completely understand that. The difference is, is though, I, I say that I'm too red and white, too white and red, and so I'm too too orange. As I walk in the public, everybody assumes that you're I'm a white guy. Yeah. And I understand that. I've watched, you know, you, you can have an argument of, like, you still have people around to be like, hey, you can fight for this. I don't. So I understand that. So I do look at the, the, the Preservation of all. Yes, it was terrible, but we erased that past. Oh, no, I'm not talking about erasing it. I'm talking about acknowledging it and actually. And it's true to have this conversation. Absolutely. It does have a presence of all truth and learn what we, we are, where we came from, we don't do it again. Right. Because, you know, it's like, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, actually, you got, the good thing is, uh, if you do look at. We have a ton of great uh, topics, uh, panels this time around, and exploring like, different regions and different how different cultures interpret this type of horror. And so I think there's a, a, a lot of nice kind of places to look at how different people approach these subjects and explore their fears um, and try to make it accessible to other people. And I think so much of it is just trying to communicate. And I'm going to grab Jenna first, because I know your hand has been up for a while. Uh, yeah. I have a couple of things that occurred to me. Um, the first one is the idea of intentional body modification and how from some people and how some people see that as their right and the people whose body it is, you know, uh, they're the right to their body, and other people see it as it's exerting control over their body, and other people see it as a lack of control. And Which feeds into that actually is a great And leads to the weird thing of, you know, you lack control, therefore we are going to exert control over you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in particular of the infantilization of, um, for example, a raped ten-year-old who got pregnant. You know, it's like it's your fault because you have no control, and therefore you got pregnant. So we're going to make you have this baby, and then we're going to take this baby away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like we're teaching you some weird lesson. Yeah, and we're actually teaching you yeah. yeah. to teach you the lesson. And yeah, we give you a fistula, and you'll never be able to. You know. Well, it's just, I have a 
quote uh, that I didn't get a chance to read that is perfect for this, uh, which is kind of about the, the uh, and it says, I think writing about women goes hand in hand with horror writing. The female body is a nexus of pain almost by design, but it is also potentially monstrous, an object traditionally subjugated both for its presumed weakness and its perceived threat. And I thought that was a good quote, and that's from a, a, an essay called On Body Horror of the Female Body. Uh, by Julia Armfield, but I thought that was a good, uh, this idea that you can't control your body, people control it for you, because we don't think you're using it properly, and whatever that, and I think that's very tied to body horror, especially, uh, I think there is a lot of fiction and that is coming out about uh, trans yeah. transformations for that reason, because I think it is a terrifying concept that for some, that you could start to modify your body to such an extent that you could look totally different, you could be totally different, yes, exactly. and go against the design. Yeah, which then brings us to trans issues. You know, um, people have been talking about how uh, with, you know, the intentional withdrawal of hormones from people who are in transition or have already transitioned is a form of violence, and I agree. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's the state saying, no, no, you're not supposed to be the person that you know you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be that other person. Yeah, I actually know a trans man in Florida who uh, started making plans to move specifically uh, like a couple months ago because he was coming and he's like, he's, he's got a hormone stockpile and he's still worried yeah. about this happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, this, this idea that, you know, we will impose these limitations. We know what the limitations are. We, we are the people who have to make these decisions for you. And these things, you know, it's like, they used to be theoretical <laughs> for a lot of people. You know, not, you know, not for, not for black people, not for people who were, you know, not for, not for queer people, not for people who were, Beyond the minimum, you know, but um, but now they're not theoretical and they're not theoretical for anybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think it's very yes. threatening for a lot of people. Yep. All right, we're a little tight. We've got a couple more questions. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Actually, I told you I was going to next. Firstly, I just want to say thank you for sharing the story about the allergies that I think a lot of us have kind of things that have happened to our body that frighten us like adults. And I think that's what frightens me personally here today, because this is kind of how I got interested in my work. But what I'm curious for all of that story is where did you kind of reach that aha moment or that, that comfort with the idea? How did you justify it in your mind sharing this with an audience? Because there's there's a lot of pushback against sharing this kind of stuff. I mean, even within, I think you, I think you said it was it, the core is conservative. And so, yeah, naturally, yeah, inherently. Yeah, and, and so even, even what I've gotten out of that is that even body horror transgresses horror in some ways. Where did you get? Where do you kind of build up the, the, the conviction to share this, and how what does that look like? Essentially, I guess I'm looking for that conviction. Well, I think I think there's two kinds of people: the people that are more adept at being a civilized human being, and then there's people that are anxiety-ridden, body horrors, like a fact of life. It's just like you don't come to body horror; you, you, you're, you're in body horror already. You know, 
So it's like, I, the guy, the person that never came to it, it's just, it was the de facto beginning. And then I realized that other people shared the same experiences and it drew me to it. But there wasn't like a day where it's like, oh, you know what I mean? It's just like, I've always been scared of my body, scared of life, scared of reality, very anxious person. So it's just, it's something that uh, comforts that people have shared the same experience as you do. Oh, yeah, if I may, um, for me, uh, that, that would be two factors. One is what I mentioned earlier, uh, is uh, being brought up in a very uh, rather strict Catholic uh, context. And then uh, at a certain point, losing my religion and at the same time going through physical transformation and lost one third of my body mass. Uh, I took up long distance running. So I was shedding my faith and shedding my flesh. And at the same time, shedding, with the shedding of my flesh, I was shedding the belief that this flesh would be returned to me. So these two, it's a profound existential transformation, right? If you think about the philosophic implications of it, actually, that's the tentative the invitation, I'll be reading my poetry today at 2 p.m., uh, last moment edition, and I'll be reading from my, from my volume, Gifts Without Wrapping, which is exactly about that kind of transformation. And when I took up long distance running, uh, uh, the experience of running a marathon, which, I mean, there is blood, there is sweat, there is spew, the, the, every single, I, I, I'm, I'm just smiling, I don't feel it. I, your body, your body, uh, it's just pushing your body to the very, I, I, I'm, when I run, I, I, long distance, I'm just in this kind of a trance where I explore every single secretion in my body. I feel every single tissue, everything hurts. It's, and I love it. And that's what I, it, it, it takes me back to the thinking about uh, my loss of weight and my uh, loss of faith, right? And these three elements are just combined. And well, the title of my poetry volume is Gifts Without Wrapping. So it's body as a gift that's unwrapped of these contexts and just naked and bleeding and sweating and all of that while running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, this is the other name of this panel, actually. <laughs> 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 uh, you guys touched on it a few times, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, body horror as it's transmitted to your audience. Like, what's the difference between being able to express it visually in the movie or doing it in book form? Like, I. I always feel like, personally, when I read a book, I get it, but when I'm in a movie, I'm watching other people do it. And so that's kind of, especially, like, uh, the, the ladies at the end, uh, I got this feeling that there's a visual aspect you guys like. There's also very much a, an emotional aspect that you can read. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Right, to sum up the question, uh, the different processes for film versus writing versus art, uh, how you translate body horror to the different creative mediums. I like to... This will probably be the last question. Sorry, y'all. Um, but uh, I think what I like to do is um, 
as far as writing body horror is get something familiar and fuck it up. So I like to, I will never forget explaining a period to uh, an uh, assigned male at birth friend. Um, and I explained it to him. It's a blue dot. As, <laughs> it's blue water and it just flows. No, um, it's basically someone grabbing your testes to the point of discomfort. And then every once in a while, just twisting it and holding on, and squeezing it. And he said, shut the fuck up, stop. Like, until blood comes out. <laughs> right, and then blood comes out. And it, like, it was so, it, it became a sense of, it's everyone, there's a whole stupid saying, you never know a man's journey unless you walk a mile in his shoes. It's about really, about touching on that, that common base and as far as writing it anyway, touching on that common base and just, sorry for this image, but fingering it until it pops out of the deal. <laughs> um, read my fiction. Um, uh, and as far as art and film, um, I think one of the best uh, even though I still haven't had a full opinion of this movie quite yet, but Men yeah. um, is probably one of the best examples I can say I can say of of this kind of I can't think of words, but basically putting yourself in the shoes of someone else and experiencing that discomfort and experiencing that ick. Um, I think that. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I know we don't have much. <laughs> um, for, for me, it goes beyond just expressing body horror as a whole because, um, like I said, I grew up as a voracious reader watching a lot of films. I went to school as a visual artist, um, and uh, I also have done my noise music, sound art. So there's often a kind of bleed through between all those genres. Um, for, like um, a lot of my um, a lot of my writing does deal with things like visual art and film. Um, the album that I put out uses a lot of horror film samples as essentially kind of footnotes. Um, so for so for me, like there is what I what I do write, I, I there is always like a visual component, and I also am very concerned with how the words sound next to each other. Like I know for some people when they write, it's more just like as a vehicle to put words, to, to put like a moving picture into someone's head. Uh, for me, like the words themselves have to have a certain cadence when they're, when they're together. And that uh, perhaps can add to, to uh, a sort of body horror sense of, of uh, like viscosity or like uh, expressing the kind of abject atmosphere. Well, I think like it's the age old question like, what's the difference between literature and cinema? Whereas with cinema, you watch something happen to someone. Whereas with literature, it's almost like it's happening to you. So like with cinema and body horror, you get the you get the added bonus of being able to see it happen. But with literature, you, yeah, you get to experience yeah. it. So it's like they both have their pluses and minuses. But I think both literature and film ex explore the same areas, but in different ways. 
So it's like a you get a more rounded experience by being, you know, both a cinema fan and a literature fan. But it's definitely it's definitely like two different avenues to take in exploring the the, the realm of body horror or horror in general. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Think about Dead Raiders. Like, I mean, Dead Ringers just, at one point, um, a friend couldn't understand why I kept crossing my leg every time I saw that special speculum. I was like, are you fucking kidding? That goes inside you. And you know what it's Yeah, it's the cold and shit. I think uh, we are tiny. We did a great job here. Before we guys go, where are you all going to be? Are you selling books? Are you doing another panel that you're excited about? We probably can each get like two seconds to kind of give yourself a little plug oh, yeah. while you're up here. Uh, tomorrow morning at 9.30, I will be uh, part of a group meeting alongside uh, Gordon White, uh, Karen Raven, and my Cisco. And immediately after that, at 11, I will be on the Queer Over Fiction panel. Uh, I'm going to be on the Silent Hill panel and also the Cosmic Horror panel. And the next uh, publication coming from Plutonian Press is going to be an Eraserhead tribute anthology, mainly focusing on reproductive angst, and um, half the proceeds are going to be going to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Well, uh, right after this panel, in 15 minutes, I'm off to a panel on uh, Central European weird fiction. And then I have uh, a, a reading of poetry today at 2 p.m. It's a last moment reading, so it's not in the program. Uh, the I Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then tomorrow at 9.30, I'm giving a talk as part, as, uh, as part of the um, uh, the, the conference on the Hermitage theories, Symposium? yeah, yeah, and Hermitage Symposium on the theories of the grotesque in the context of uh, Lovecraft's uh, fiction. So we'll be analyzing the description of Cthulhu in the context of the, the theories of the grotesque. I had to. I'm not being rude. I had to look up my own schedule. But, <laughs> um, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're on a panel together. Uh, we have I, I have a reading today at five with me with Victoria. Um, and then tomorrow I have a history of the queer weird at eleven a.m. And then on Sunday at eleven I have the weird has always been female. So yeah, and you can always find me on Twitter at Intelligent Twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'll be doing that reading at 5 o'clock, and I will be at a book release party at 7.45 tomorrow night, I think potentially in this room for an anthology called We Are Providence that are all Rhode Island Providence-based authors. Um, that should be fun. So, uh, and I have a painting up at the Arts Network on the Yeah, uh, it's up in the art show. Uh, big, hmm? Awesome. Uh, 
This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.